thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Fellowship. On this episode, I got my good friend, Pastor Andrew Mason, otherwise known as Pastor Mason. On this one, we dropped some straight fire, like no lie. This was probably one of my favorite ones, no diss to anybody else, but this was a lot of fun. And I know you're going to like it, I know you're going to be best by it, and I know you're going to get something out of it. So, here we go. Yeah. Welcome in to the fellowship. Keep it like Joey Bang Dive in. Welcome in to the fellowship. Keep it like Joey Bang Dive in. Welcome in to the fellowship. Keep it like Joey Bang Dive in. Welcome in to the fellowship. Keep it like Joey. Yeah. Uh. All together now, let's break bread. Uh. We the body now, Christ the head. Yeah. Straight Voltron, and we come together like we so strong when we come together, right? See, my life is living proof. Autobots roll out. We assemble like a truth. We your brother's keeper. Always be leading the higher truth. Listening to the Fellowship Podcast. I am here with one of my good friends, longtime mentors. Put those together, call it a friend tour. Pastor <laughs> Andrew Mason. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's it's great to be on here, all the way from uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes, yes. There's snow on the ground right now as we're recording. Man, I really appreciate you and value your time, and uh, thanks for doing this with me. Um, I've known Pastor Mason. I was thinking about it last night. It's actually been about 13 years, man. Wow. We came to Laguna Christian Center towards the end of my junior year of high school. At that time in my life, during my junior, senior year, and shortly after, I was doing everything that I could to rebel against God. I wanted nothing to do with, I'll put it PC, the Anglo church, the people in it. And right after high school, God just kept speaking to me through uh, Pastor Hector's messages and really, eventually, I just rededicated my life. Pastor Mason was my youth pastor. What's really cool, I think, about our relationship, and uh, this might throw you off a little bit, maybe not, but I did not like you at all <laughs> when I first got saved. <laughs> and part of that was just my maturity where I was in my walk. You know, anybody that would, like, in retrospect, because you call things very black and white. So when we met, it was very like that. And I was like, dude, this guy's just <laughs> coming down on me. Like, forget this guy. Oh, that's awesome. And now as I've matured, you know, growing up, I go, no, he was just trying to point things out because, you know, you can't. You can't let somebody who's living the wrong lifestyle just kind of ease about staying that way. Um, so I, I, so over the years, we've developed a really cool uh, relationship and mentorship and uh Pastor, when I was going through my ministry internship process, Pastor Mason was one of the pastors that I had over me. And uh, probably in the in the last stage of it, one of the ones that I connected with the most. So I really appreciate you, man. It's, it's funny just to think of where we started yeah. to uh, where we are, because I really, I really value our relationship now compared to, you know, I couldn't stand you before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. You've, you've always, man, had a, had a positive spirit. And it's cool to see the growth that's happening in your life, see what you're doing now. 
and uh, that that's a that's a very funny first impression origin story of our our relationship there. That's that's funny. It's probably one of the few, if not the only one, that'll be like that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here now, so it's there's some something good has happened. God's grace, is right? Real. And we're in sync. We're both uh, wearing blue. So there we go. There we, we go. Both got blue plaid on. So right. uh, there, there's a good uh, there's a good chemistry already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I shared in this podcast, you know, when I really became a believer on my own, um, friendships were the hardest thing for me. Because I was so tightly knit with the people that I hung out with before, and I had to separate myself. And then transitioning into the church that we were at, um, there wasn't a lot of kids who had, uh, again, for PC's sake, the more urban uh, context that I had. Yeah. So it was really hard for me to plug in and really get connected with people. Um, eventually, I really just had to realize and say, you know, hey, Christ is the only thing that might bring us together. So I'm going to have to use that. But it was really hard for me to develop relationships becoming a, a Christian and to the point where in that early walk where I messed up and wanted to hang out with my old friends. And the first time I hung out with my old friends, I ended up smoking weed again. Wow. It really showed me how valuable keeping the right people uh, in my life is. And since that time, really putting value on friendships, relationships, community uh, in the kingdom uh, has impacted my life so much, just like the relationship that we have. Yeah. But uh, in your early walk, how was that transition like for you? Did you have like a similar background? Did you have like tight knit circles before or how did that work? Yeah, I mean, I had some good friends. I, I came to Christ when I was 15 and I had some good friends leading up to that. Uh, but I also was very introverted. Um, my parents had got divorced when I was sixth grade. Father moved out of the house uh, four or 500 miles away. And so I, I grew up very distant from my dad, but l thankfully I played sports. So I played Pop Warner football from fourth grade on, and I was always a part of a team. And I, I think sports really gave me a, a sense of community and relationships and friendship uh, before I got saved. And then when I got saved when I was 15, um, I, I began to develop uh, friendships in the context of Christian community. And actually, some of those were on my football team. I had a football teammate invite me to his youth group where I gave my heart to the Lord. And there was about three or four of us there that, that would go to youth group. And we would kind of walk our faith out on our campus together. Uh, one in particular, Jabron. And you, you know Jabron. Yeah, yeah. You know, by our senior years, we were each carrying our Bible around school, uh, sharing our faith with our football teammates, our friends, inviting our friends to church. Um so that was kind of my, my context of, of community growing up was it was kind of started out with sports, I think. And then when I got saved, it was it was a few close friends that, that we were all kind of going after Jesus together. As particularly that, that friendship I had with Jabron, because uh, he, he would, God would do something in his life and it would provoke me to take a, a step closer in my walk with God. Because you got sometimes we can go to school and we kind of lose our accountability from church. For sure. Um, but when you got your, your church friends at school, that changes it. And so that brought some good accountability in my life of how I was living my life. I would say this, too, just speaking scripturally, when I think of Jesus's small group and the 12 guys that he had. And uh, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here in any questions, but it, it comes to my mind no, is that those guys didn't get along with each other. You know, yeah. in fact, you had one guy, Simon the Zealot. He was really passionate about the political nation of Israel. And you had Matthew, the tax collector who came out of the, from the Roman government. So those guys probably sat at opposite ends of the table. 
you know, <laughs> uh, the thing that those guys all had in common is that they wanted to become more like Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. That's why they jumped in. They actually didn't jump in to be best friends. Yeah. Uh, now Jesus knew what he was going to do is he was going <laughs> to try, try to teach them how to be unselfish and how to be friends and, and live in community together for, for three and a half years. And it was going to drive each other nuts. So Jesus <laughs> knew that's where he was going to take them. But that, that wasn't their, their common ground. Wasn't we're best friends. Their yeah. common ground was we want to become more like Jesus. We like Jesus and want to be more like him. And I think for Christian community, you got to have some people that you're connected to that know you that also want to grow in their walk with God. That's awesome to, to hear that you were able to, at a young age, kind of already build that and build that community. Because for so many of us, that's not the case. Um, right. It, right. It's hard. And like you said, there is a, a level of, because I kind of played the fence early on um, in high school before I just completely rebelled, where at church, because I was in that church from like negative two up until you know, <laughs> we, we left in, in high school, where I could be church Chris over here and kind of play it. And then at school, you know, not have any yeah. of that accountability and be somebody else. Yeah. So that's awesome that you were able to find a friend in that time who was going through that same thing with you and to really push you through it. The the friends that I had in high school when I was doing my bad things were the same friends that I went to church with. Mm. So it was very ironic. I mean, I remember and I was very conscious of what I was doing. You know, I was, it was in a hurting place in my life. I remember um, being 17, 18 outside of a club with a bunch of friends from church, some who were even on the worship team. And <laughs> yeah, I was I was just angry and I was being frustrated. And I remember saying, you know, well, well, forget God. I don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. And I told and they're like, no, you can't say that. I was like, dude, I know what I'm doing. You guys are doing the same thing with your actions. I'm just saying it. Wow. Like, uh, but being around those type of people never helped me, never mm-hmm. pushed me up to another level. Where if I had had more people, uh, like you said, like a Gibran or somebody who really was close to me in both areas, yeah. man, that would have made a huge difference. Yeah, I wish I could say it was it was an intentional thing. Uh, it was just something that kind of happened by default for me. We got actually, we got invited by the same football team and we both gave our hearts to the Lord the same night. Wow. And so we were really, I mean, literally on the same pathway, the same starting point. He lived across the street from me. I was his ride (laughs) from home from football practice. And so, um, I mean, there was, I couldn't get away from the guy, you know, if I wanted to, (laughs) I didn't, but, uh, but we were just, our lives were intertwined with school and church and football. And, uh, and when he would grow, I would grow, you know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. And I think that's so key, uh, for, for Christians, no matter what stage that we're in uh, as believers, that like you said, when when you have somebody alongside you who's growing, you grow with them. Yeah. And when you're growing, they're growing too. I've shared in some of the other podcasts is that uh, the Bible talks about being equally yoked, and a lot of times people refer to that as you know dating relationship or whatnot, but really it has to be in our in our overall walk. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be surrounded with people who are going the same direction, pulling, working the same field as you. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. You got to, there's got, like I said, and and Gibran would grow and it would provoke me. But I think the key for me is that I wanted to grow too. Yeah. You've been in ministry for um, how long now? Oh man. I know centuries, but. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's been over, (laughs) it's been over 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. So in that 15 years, how have you seen both good and bad community affect uh, people in the body? Yeah, I think uh, I think if we start, it's always good to start off with the bad, right? So we can end with the good. Um, definitely, people are can get hurt 
in, in the body because I think what happens is we, we get into a Christian community and our expectations are higher yeah. and they should be. That's not that's not misplaced. But because we have those higher expectations mm. when we're wounded, um, it can be it can be more difficult to recover. Uh, we don't always like to admit it. Sometimes when we're wounded, we, we can kind of blame God for it. Like, hey, God, if this is the best you got, yeah. you know, you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we kind of have that attitude. Um, but the reality is God wants to use that. I'm not saying that that's his will, but God uses that yeah. to grow us. Uh, because one of the things God wants to produce in our life is his love. It's his love. And, you know, some people, they just they, they, they really love God and they just want to hang out in their prayer closet and read their Bible and listen to their worship albums and worship God and say, I'm on fire for God. I'm all good. Uh, but then you get them in community and they're a mess. Yeah. You know, and that's not God's will. You know, like we, we have God wants us to be healthy. He wants his love in us to be demonstrated through us to other people. And so when I'm wounded, now I have a choice. Now I have to forgive. Yeah. You know? um, now I have to extend grace. Now I have to be patient. Um, and there's a lot of different scenarios that, that turn into a lot of different applications. But it's in community where I have to work through that stuff in myself where Maybe that some something that someone's doing it's really triggering me uh, because I have some baggage in that area, mm. you know. And what I want to do is just say, "Well, I'm just going to walk away. I'm just I'm not interested in that." The reality is, is maybe I need to deal with that baggage, yeah, you know, so that I can walk through that situation, yeah, with that person. So that would be the the bad, the difficult side of of Christian community. I think the positive side is going to be strength and support. And it's going to be wisdom and counsel in your life. Um, and when I say counsel, I'm not—I don't—I don't necessarily mean that some there's a guru around you. <laughs> but when, I, when you when you're connected with other people going after God, you see how they're applying their faith in their life. Yeah. See, I could know the Bible backwards and forwards, and I might not know what to do in a work situation with my coworker, even though I know all the scriptures. Yeah. But this is such a unique situation. How do I apply my faith? in this situation or how do I apply my faith with my spouse or with my children? Mm -hmm. And when I get in community with other believers that are going after God, I can glean from their lives. Oh, that's, that's how you handled that situation with your spouse. That's how you handled that with your, that's how you applied your faith or you applied this scripture passage to your life. That's something I can add to my life. And uh, so, so we need to be in community with others to round out our walk with God. The other thing is we all have blind spots. Yeah. You know, people don't, you know, if you don't admit that you have a blind spot, that's a blind spot. <laughs> so, uh, so we need other people going the same direction. We're going around us to help us to help point out, um, our blind spots. I know a lot of times for people when they're early on in their walk, um, whether it's a maturity thing or whether it's a, um, personal hurt, like you were talking about, a lot of people find it difficult, uh, when they first come into the church to find people to connect with, whether it's because they're, you know, they don't have the same style, they don't have the same interest, whatever the case yeah. is. And a lot of times those people end up leaving the church or they go from church to church to church, not realizing that they're the common denominator. And, uh, you know, they, yeah. they never find a home or they never find a people to connect with or, or build relationships with. What would you say to those people who are who might be struggling just to find yeah. that, that group? 
Yeah, I'd say the first thing is you want to have a good theology to start off with in that, um, yes, it's not about our walk with God. It's not about a church. It's not about a denomination. Yes, that's true. (laughs) But sometimes we can take that to an extreme. Totally. Uh, We're supposed to be connected into the body of Christ. You know, we're supposed to be part of his body. When I was in eighth grade, I was playing football and I dislocated and broke my left shoulder. Ouch. You know, that had to be, yeah, exactly. That had to be set back in place in order for it to heal right and strengthen. And now, praise God, I have full range of motion again. But um, if that wasn't set right, that never would have been strong again. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be set in the body. And there's promises that God gives us when we're set in the body. The Word of God literally says we're going to be healthy. We're going to be growing. We're going to be full of His love. Uh, we're going to be flourishing. There's there's literally promises in the Word about this. And it, it's not hard to figure out if you're an amputated body part, you're not going to be very healthy. Yeah. You know, so you got to start off by going, look, part of God's plan for my life, part of it is I, I got to be connected in his body, in the family of God. And I think when you start off with that reality, it's going to help you, uh, you know, com- make some good commitments. The other thing then is, okay, how do I get connected? Um, now, hopefully maybe you're in a church uh, like, like uh, the one I'm in where there's, maybe there's a group ministry. You know, and we, we have groups at our church here at Emmanuel in Minnesota. And we encourage people, check out a group. Uh, go go to a group where there's it's more of a relational context. When you're in a church service and there's, you know, 50 people, 100 people, 200 people, 500 people, you can't connect relationally. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the design. In the book of Acts, the Church of Jerusalem was temple courts and house to house. Temple courts, and they, 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 they worshiped in temple courts, but they did community and from house to house. And most of those houses couldn't hold more than 15 people. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some bigger ones, but most of them, it was limited to 15. So you got to get in these relational environments where you can relationally connect. That can still be hard for people though. For sure. Some people are introverts. Uh, some people that, they, they, you know, it's, it's intimidating to go knock on someone's door. Um, the other option is to get involved, mm-hmm. you know, to start serving, um, you know, be a greeter in the lobby, be an usher, um, f- find a ministry because as you serve, you meet more people. Yeah, You meet other people that are serving. Uh, you meet people that you're actually serving. You get some conversations and, and you're able, you're able to expose yourself to more relational connections than just sitting in the back of the church on Sunday saying, God, I feel like uh, no one here cares about me or knows me. Yeah. Well, part of, part of that's on your own shoulders uh, as a believer. And so serving and getting involved uh, can be a great way to get to know some people if you're new at a church. Yeah, that's huge. I know um, for me, when we first, uh, so when I first got rededicated my life, got saved, however you want to put it, I was about to start a new job. My At the same time, my parents were going and the rest of my family was going on this missions trip to Mexico. I still wasn't really plugged into the church. I just barely made the commitment. So in my mind, I was already thinking, parents are gone, I'm having a house party. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no plans on going to... Uh, the Mexico trip or whatnot. And my last day of work, I came home. My mom was like, today was your last day. She's like, yeah, well, good. Because you don't start your new job for another week and we're going to Mexico tomorrow. (laughs) So she had it planned out for me already. I was like, God, I got to cancel some texts, but (laughs) Uh, we ended up going on this mission trip to Mexico. And it was there that even there were certain people that um, 
I had kind of wrote off as whatever the case is, like I, you know, they didn't look like the coolest person or whatnot <laughs> that I got to know during that trip. Yes. That some of those relationships are, are relationships that I have to this day. Nice. And which are outside the, the boundaries of the, what's under the same church. So yeah. it's awesome. Uh, like you said, sometimes just getting plugged in. If there's an outreach, if there's something, you know, go and be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that I've shared too is uh, when you're going to a church, if you feel really genuinely called there, if you feel like God is speaking to you, feeding you, and you're a part of this church, then don't leave because you're not connecting with people. Mm, that's good. Because I, when I first got saved, I didn't connect with people. And if I would have just left because of that, it's hard to say that I'd be where I'm at today. Absolutely. So there, there's just a, a lot of uh, importance in in godly relationships and godly fellowships uh, in ministry at your position. Um, so again, you've been in ministry for about 15 years. You're uh, you're kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Just kind of, though. just kind of. That's funny. <laughs> but but you hold a, a good position uh, in a good church. So in the context of where you're at, as because there's different levels of friendships, of mentorships, of relationships, mm-hmm. uh, and there's different levels of where we're at as ministers mm-hmm. um, or even as believers, that we have different types of relationships. In this season of where you're at, how do you build those type of relationships that really uh, mentor or um, build your faith? Because a lot of times, especially uh, where you're at in ministry, it's a lot of we're pouring out. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I, it's it's going to sound um, maybe backwards a little bit, but honestly, <clears throat> you know, when you're new at a church, I mean, we moved from Sacramento, California, my wife and I, Camille, with our two boys, we moved from Sacramento to Minnesota. That's a huge move. Uh, yeah. I lived out there in Sacramento for 15 years. Camille had grown up there. We're, we're literally uprooting ourselves from everything we know. I and mean, we have no family, no, no relational history with anybody in Minnesota right? <laughs> um, at, at the church that we're at. Um, and so what really helped is when we moved into our home and we started a group in our home. Hmm. Now we start the group to pour into other people. Uh, but it's, it's a two-way street, you know, as we, yeah. as we begin to open up our lives and, and begin to offer ourselves to other people, um, there's a replenishing that happens, especially when you're a new mm-hmm. person. I mean, I mean, some of those people in our group, uh, they're, they're the people who come up and say hi to us the most on Sunday, you know, at, at mm-hmm. church. Um, and they're looking forward to, to, to hanging out with us in group. It's really awesome is uh, our neighbors, when we moved into our house, our neighbors actually went to our church. Okay. And so our, our neighbors are a part of our group. And that has that has made the neighbor experience really exciting, you know, and they have kids and their kids come hang out at our house and our kids go over there and hang out at their house and they come over. We, we joke about, um, you know, how is traffic when they come over for connect group, you know, how is traffic, <laughs> you know, they walk down the sidewalk. And so, um, and, and so, Hey, in the snow, that's a big yeah, deal. <laughs> and so even for us, uh, we're ministering to people. We're, we're there to disciple them and pour into them. Uh, but there's a strength and support and connection that that meets needs in our life, too, uh, by having that. So we just jumped right in. We opened up our home and and got a group going right off the bat and, and started inviting people into our lives. And that's a, you know, the, the, the advantage of doing a group in, in our home is that we have to open up our life. Yeah. I have to give my address to somebody. I have to let someone <laughs> knock on my door. 
um, I have to let someone into a, our, our kitchen and, you know, I, I give my group refrigerator rights. Say, hey, you have the right to open the fridge and grab whatever you want. <laughs> you know, I, I have to let them in. Yeah. And uh, so when, when you do it, when you do it that way, it kind of you kind of force yourself uh, to be relational um, in nature. So uh, that's that's been a big thing that's helped us. I mean, obviously, it's what I do. I oversee groups at our church. So obviously, I'm trying to model this. Um, but but it's something we really believe in. Like we would we would be doing this even if this wasn't our job. We would be doing this because we we believe in it. You know. Yeah, and that's something I, I really um, appreciate about you because that's always been your take as far as uh, as long as I've known you with doing the groups ministries. Uh, it's really comes from your heart. It's something that you guys love. You guys are a part of. And there's so many times uh, in ministry where that's not the case, where it's the the person over it is more of an organizer yes, versus uh, a participant, an active living part of it, which makes the impact of it so much bigger. And uh, like you're saying, you get to actually build those relationships. So you're not just telling people, hey, this is great for you. This is a great way to grow and connect and uh, be plugged in to what the church is doing and how God is moving. But you're saying, no, I'm actually doing it too. I'm actually, as a pastor, and making myself vulnerable and available, um, opening up my home. Um, there's so many times, I mean, I, I've worked for pastors that I didn't know where they live. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it's much less just being a part of the congregation and being invited into their home. Yeah. Um, so it's so huge the way you guys carry it, the way you guys do it, because it's really um, living it out. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things it's almost it's it's a part of groups ministry, and, and yet it's kind of a component of it. It's it's not always thought of as a component of discipleship, but I, I really feel like we've we've undervalued the New Testament value of hospitality. If you go back in the New Testament, hospitality was a big deal. You couldn't be a leader in the church if you weren't hospitable. Now, what we do in the American church is we have we have hospitality teams on Sunday out in the lobby. When people come in, we say, now, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying, you know, this isn't like Jesus would come in and overturn your hospitality signs. I'm not, it's, all, it's okay to have hospitality teams. Throw down your welcome signs. Yeah. But, but technically speaking, that's not hospitality. Real hospitality is opening up your home to other people, opening up your residence to other people. Mm. If you really now, here, here's where it gets a little crazy. Uh, I was reading in Matthew 25 a while back, and and Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats, and mm. um, he he talks about I was a stranger, and you weren't hospitable to me. And they're like, well, we're not hospitable, you know. And, and so literally it's part of the, the, the judgment on in Matthew 25 is being hospitable. And so, I'm again, I'm introverted by nature. You know, once you get to know me, I'm, I'm more social. But, you know, first impression, being in a room with people I don't know, I like to sit in the corner and observe. I'm not Mr. Yeah. Outgoing personality, you know, like that. But it helps me to connect with people when I open up my home. Because people get to know me so much faster uh, when they're in that relational setting. They see how I am with my wife, how I am with my kids. They see some pictures on the wall. Um, you know, they see something from the 49ers. They know what football team I like. You know, <laughs> And in Minnesota, that might be uh, exit right, sign. Right, right, right. I don't like them in this group. Well, it, really what it does, it just provokes jokes because the men are so hot right now. Um, right. right. 
Yeah. So, so people, I lost a bunch of followers right now. <laughs> people get to know me though, so much faster because I've literally invited them into my life because I'm choosing to be hospitable. And so I, mm-hmm. I think it's something that in our individualistic society, our, our self-interest society, um, it, it's something that the kingdom really pushes back against, but the American church isn't always a, a voice speaking into that. But when you read the New Testament, I mean, you read Acts, you read the epistles, hospitality is all over that. You, you look at how many miracles Jesus did in someone's home. Oh. And then think about the fact that was happening in a home that wasn't happening at an altar in a church building. You know, hmm. it was happening in someone's home. And so I think uh, I think if you were to just do a little bit of a study on that in the New Testament, you might see it popping up. Uh, more more than you expected. Wow, that's awesome, man. Um, that's huge. You know, I know that's something that uh, as a smaller church, we're already looking into, okay, how do we start building those things? How do we start doing that? Um, and and again, being I've been on both sides of it, uh, where I've been a part of the small groups, uh, and I've been under you where I've helped uh, lead small groups. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a powerful dynamic uh, what you can do in those, just those intimate settings of getting to do life with people. And I think that's one of the biggest parts of, uh, why I started this podcast is to encourage people to, uh, to get understanding on the importance and to go out and make a community of their own, um, or, you know, plug into a community, find a group of friendships. Uh, I know you're familiar with, uh, my friends, David, Carlos and Damien, uh, the guys that I've done music with for, uh, last, 12 years or so. Some good flag football Um, games too. (laughs) And some good flag football games. Sometimes it wasn't so much flag. (laughs) But uh, those guys uh, I've been in community with, I've been in fellowship with, man, through thick and thin, there's been so many times in our lives where we've really just leaned on each other and grown from each other, like you were saying with Gibran. But none of that stuff would have ever happened if I didn't just take the first step of really committing myself to to a house, to a church, to a body. And it took some time for me to find those guys uh, that I really bonded with. But man, those are those are lifelong friendships that I have. You know, we're all serving in different areas and different churches. Um, you guys have all for, grown. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but David's still as tall as he was. <laughs> I was speaking spiritually, but I see oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know, all those guys, we we've grown in life and in families, and we're all a part of each other's families. And it's through those type of settings, those small group settings, um, those church settings, where the relationships that I have, the friendships that I have, the fellowship that I have with them, I can't put words to how important it's been in my life and still is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and you know, I, I hung out with you guys. Sometimes you guys be watching a Niner game or, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And uh, you know, there be at someone's house, there'd be some good food. Um, yeah. That's biblical by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, every, every time you break bread with somebody, it's actually a prophetic act of what heaven's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> because we're going to we're going we're gonna to sit around a table at the wedding supper of the lamb and, and we're going to eat together. And, and so it, it's really sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Yes. It's inviting people into our life. We, we eat dinner with our group every every Sunday night. We, we start a group with dinner. And um, the first couple of weeks, we Camille and I, we just prepared all of it. 
And but I knew what would happen is is people would start going, hey, well, you guys can't do all this. Can, can we bring something? Can we bring something? First couple of weeks, we said, no, 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 we got it. Kind of like want to, you know, increase the increase the demand. And finally, yeah, you know what? Could you help us by bringing bringing the bottled water? And could you could you bring the chips? Could you bring the salsa? Could you bring a dessert? And now everybody comes and brings something every week, and we have a big feast uh, before our group. And of course, we do a Bible study. Of course, we pray for each other, but. Just opening our home, inviting some people over to eat together, we've accomplished sixty percent of of what the of, of the, what the kingdom wants to do that night just by doing that, and it, it's yeah. very simple. Yeah, I think that's huge, man. I remember um, early on uh, in in my walk, I was in a relationship that went south. Uh, was uh, you know to put it lightly, uh, heartbroken, uh, going through a difficult time, and there were some nights where I remember. Uh, we had poker nights at the Cecil's house uh, quite often. No money. Very, no money. There's no money involved. <laughs> yes, let's make that very clear. <laughs> the only thing that were lost were push-ups at times. Yes, yes. I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, I mean, a card game is like Monopoly. All right? So, there was yeah. no money involved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but a lot of those times, there was no... Um, discipleship prayer like some big churchianity thing um there was just a group of good people hanging out together spending time and man those nights as small as something as simple as a card game is were better than being at home sulking being around good people yeah and having a good time so, like you said, sometimes we overcomplicate the this whole let's get together thing. And we didn't wake up with a headache the next day unless unless we played too late and we had something to do early in the morning. But we, we didn't yeah. wake up with a hangover. We didn't wake up with losing money because we didn't play for money. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did lose a, a bicep muscle one time yeah, or someone, something like that. You hurt a muscle because you had to do push-ups <laughs> if you lost. That was the that was the pain. But um, but yeah, no, it, it, it was just it was just spending time together. Um, with a group of people. I mean, the fact that we could all play a poker game without spending any money showed you we all had the same values. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're not being a stumbling block to each other. Um, and, and we're getting to we're getting to know each other. And you know where people are at. You're like, yeah, like, hey, we're getting you know, we, we gather for a game and, and someone's missing. And you're like, hey, mm-hmm. what's going on with so and so maybe they're missing because they had something going on that night. But maybe they're missing because they're kind of backing away from God. And yeah. that, that Christian community represents that. Um, and so that, that's the reason they're backing away. And so it gives you a window into where someone's at. But now we need to follow up and we need to see how our brother's doing because he's kind of been ducking out on us now the last couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. And those are also awesome opportunities uh, to evangelize to people. Uh, I'll never forget there was, a, um, there was one night that um, I had a friend who was going through something similar that, that I was. And... I remembered a few months back, he, uh, he grew up a uh, uh, Muslim and he was, uh, he had gone to Christian church with his girlfriend and he said, I really like the, the Christianity thing. I just don't know about it. Um, I don't know about associating with, with people, not in a bad way. I just, I'm not familiar with that, with that world. Um, and I invited him to come out to a card game with us. And when I was taking him back home, he was like, man, that is so cool that everybody just got together and hung out. People weren't drinking or doing anything wrong. They weren't gambling. And not only that, but just on a very practical level, they weren't even losing their cool. 
(laughs) We were being nice to each other. (laughs) Yeah. Like when you lost, you didn't like, you cheater, you were counting or, you know, whatever the case is. Uh, Because there's so many times like that. Me and David were talking about on on the last podcast that um, with the softball league, it was something very similar, you know, where they created where people could come and, and be a part of it and not have some of the 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 worldly experiences that they might have had in a secular world, in a secular venue. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot there to unpack. I mean, first of all, some it shows you that some people they're really not closed off to God. They're really closed off to institutional religion. Yeah, and a church can represent institutional religion, a church service. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but people will go hang out and have fun with Christians and realize, oh, this is this is part of believing in God. Well, I, this is this is not institutional religion. People will come and hang out and then come to church. Yeah. We think we got to get people to church and then we got to get them to hang out. And that can happen that way. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have to always happen that way. Um, the other thing, though, that you see is, is some people, there's a, they, there's a lot of things about Christianity that they need to demystify. Like, what do I actually do if I become a Christian? You know, there's so many rules and it's I'm not going to do anything, do anything fun. And all I do is go to church and go to work and and that seems boring. And and uh, community is about life. It, it, it's about enjoying life with each other. It's about doing life with each other. It's about doing fun things uh, in in a way where you, you don't have to apologize to somebody at the end of the night, you know, or, or go have a, a confession session with the Lord after the night because you had fun. And yeah. it also opens people's eyes to the fact that I, I can have an abundant life and believe in God. Look, these people are enjoying life. And I could enjoy life and believe in God, too. And, you know, that's what Jesus says in, uh, I think, I want to say it's John 13, 35, that they'll, they'll know you're Christians by your love. Yeah. And uh, and when, when people can see you doing real life and enjoying it and enjoying each other, it's a witness to them that God is real. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I thank you for your time. Thanks for uh, being a part of this podcast. I think we really unpacked some really good stuff, uh, really dropped some nuggets for people. Uh, and, uh, if people want to follow you, if you want to see what you're doing, you do small groups ministry at a church, you do uh, a small groups network. Uh, you're still doing the, the small groups, uh, uh, leadership. Yeah. I have a website, smallgroupchurches.com. And so, uh, sometimes I go through phases where I don't post for a while, but, but I'm, I'm still, that's my website and I have other contributors on there. So we post resources on there, lots of articles and free resources on there. Awesome. And then they can follow you on uh, social media. Uh, yeah, on Twitter, uh, underscore Andrew S. Mason. Cool. Awesome. People yeah. use Twitter? Yes, <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> I know the younger generation is, is, is probably moving away from the true. I know. Instagram's the uh, the big one, I think, now. Yes. For I now. It's a wave. I don't, I don't know what my handle is, but you can probably find Andrew Mason. You can probably find I am I am on Instagram as well. Yeah, well... Man, Mace, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, appreciate you, man. Again, just uh, appreciate your insight, what you do. And uh, again, just I, I really value your time. Even uh, if we don't connect that often, um, I always get something out of hanging out from, with you. And I hope that, uh, you know, I uh, give a little bit back, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely, Chris. I appreciate the time, man. Great connecting with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Cool. Once again, I just want to thank Pastor Mason for being on the show. If you didn't realize it, we actually did it through Skype. Uh, We had a great time. But thanks again to all of you folks for listening, for being faithful to listen. Or if it's your first time, thanks for tuning in. But uh, I'm having a blast doing this. we got a couple of guests lined up and excited for everything that's going on. 
So thanks again for listening. I will be doing some missionary work. So I'm excited for that. And I'm excited to be able to share some stuff when I come back from that experience and from that trip. Uh, So keep me, my wife, and the rest of our team in prayer. We're going to be out there for eight days. So uh, thank you. Be blessed. And that's it. Bye. Hasta la bye-bye.